I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by this Sajid Javid to my Rishi Sunak. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. A political intro here on the Second Tier. Not only do we talk about championship football, we also talk about politics every so often. Justin, how are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I- I'm still absolutely boiling alive. This heat wave is not going away. Um, but other than that, I'm good. It- although I-, I-, it- I feel like it's making me very tired. It's, mm. you know, it's not good. I imagine you're not on your own there, Justin. Oh, I've yeah. looked at the weather forecast for this Sunday and it's going to be difficult recording on Sunday, I'm afraid, <laughs> because the temperatures are through the bloody roof. Um, Justin, I did not realise, but I, I kind of had an idea in the back of my head, but it seems so strange that we're just two weeks and a day away mm. at the time of recording from the start of the championship season. It's bloody snuck up on us, hasn't it? It has, and I think the reason why it feels like that is because, for me anyway, there are still a lot of clubs that have a lot to do transfer-wise. There are a lot of clubs looking bare, like Birmingham City, for example, still, I think, 15, 16 squad players, senior squad players anyway. Similar to QPR, they they still need to add add to their squad. Blackpool haven't made any signings yet. You know, it's, yeah, it's um, a lot of teams have a lot of work to do, and I think that's what sort of lured me into that false sense of, got ages. We've got ages. We haven't. Mm. It's just a fortnight away. When does the transfer window close? It's usually end of August, isn't it? Mm. So yeah. So we- there will be a bit of room for clubs to carry on making business, but mm. with regards to the actual start of the season, yeah, you're absolutely right. Clubs need to get a shift on, don't they? Um, but welcome to the number one championship-specific podcast, ladies and gentlemen, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This is part two of our episode where we pick a key player for each championship side. Me and Justin have picked different ones uh, for each team. But this week we're going from Norwich to Wigan. If you want to hear part one where we go from Birmingham to Millwall, then you can listen to last Thursday's episode. Um, But before we get underway, ladies and gentlemen, let let me tell you about our friends at Fansbet, the fan-led sports betting company committed to supporting charities and causes which are important to fans. Do check them out by clicking the link in in the description of the podcast and claim your 200% sports deposit bonus of up to £200. Terms and restrictions apply. Full details on site 18+. plus. Please do gamble responsibly. Visit begambleaware.org for more info and do also check out Fansbet, responsible gambling tools. So Justin, we're picking key players and we'll start off with Norwich City. You were just talking about clubs who haven't made many signings so far. Norwich is one of them, isn't it? Um, mm. So with regards to the squad that we've got at the moment, who are you picking as a key player for next season? 
Yeah, the squad's incredibly different to the one we've seen recently in championship seasons. That's what I feel like anyway. Um, it's gone through this you know, fair bit of transition along the way. And obviously last summer, transfer-wise, when I was in the Premier League, I don't think business was that good. Um, and they failed to sh- to replace Emi Wendier, which makes it a little bit more difficult to pick a player. But I've gone with Timo Puki, and it's a very obvious one, and it's a bit of a home run, mainly because of his goal record at championship level. It's it's one of the best, and he, he ranks as one of the best strikers in the championship ever for me. Um, but the only hesitation I have is his partnership with Emi Bendia was absolutely sublime. Um, the runs Puki would make off the ball, Emi Bendia would feed them feed the balls into him, and uh, yeah, Puki would uh, gobble them up. So I think the only thing I have, you know, I have reservations about is whether Puki can do it about Bendia. He didn't struggle so much last season. I know he didn't score a hatful of goals, but he still was an incisive finisher when the chances came. But it's how often those chances are going to come. If they come, he'll put them away and Norwich will need that. That'll be the difference for Norwich next season. Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on. He's not going to have as many chances as he would do with an Emmy Brendier in the side. But when he gets his chances, he's got to take them, hasn't he? It's going to be interesting to see who fills the Brendier role, whether it's going to be kind of shared around the squad but uh, yeah it's going to be a tricky one for Puki next season to match the amazing tallies that he's racked up in the two championship seasons he's had so far I've gone for Grant Hanley now you were just talking a minute ago Justin about how the Norwich squad is different to how it was before it is in some ways but defensively I think they're going to be relying a lot on someone who was very important to them in the last time they got promoted because Grant Hanley was absolutely fantastic him and Bad Gibson managed to put together such a sterling partnership and I think his leadership as well as his just brilliant defensive mind are going to be so important to Norwich again this season um, one aspect one thing that you can definitely point a finger at with Norwich is they've been much better going forwards than they have been defensively over the past four years Um and that's why Hanley's got to um, be as important as ever mm-hmm. um, when he plays for Norwich this season. So I think he's going to be a really key player for them. Again, who plays alongside him? I'm guessing it's going to be Ben Gibson. Um, but it won't surprise me if it's someone else. But Hanley is 100% going to be playing the vast majority of games for them next season. He needs to have another uh, a brilliant season for them. Justin, let's go to Preston North End. Who have you got as a key player for the Lily Whites? I've gone with Daniel Johnson. I think there's still a little bit of business that needs to be done to add to the to the ranks at Preston. But Daniel Johnson, for me, one of the most consistent players, I think, in the Championship over the last few years. And it's one that constantly goes under the radar. I'm sure, like many playmakers, um, they can blow hot and cold. But Dan, Daniel Johnson, very, very consistent. Um, and, yeah, as I say, always going under the radar. He's a, he's a tight... If they can sign someone like Cameron Archer, who can make the runs off the ball... Um, in between uh, defenders and fullbacks, and Daniel Johnson will have another good season in terms of assists. Um, and again, especially in, in Lowe's system, I think Daniel Johnson will, will thrive because you'll have that uh, you'll have that freedom to, to roam around and, and impact the play further up the pitch. And likewise, if you can do it deeper as well, you can easily fit in. But you know, with the likes of Ben Whiteman, Ali McCann, and Ryan Lutton, certainly think Daniel Johnson will be playing further forwards. And as I say. Those types of players in behind Daniel Johnson will give him the license to be as creative as he possibly can, which will be really, really good next season. Yeah, I think Daniel Johnson's been a key player for Preston for a number of years now, hasn't he? I've gone for Emil Reese Jakobsen, the big Dane up front. He got 16 goals for Preston last season. And considering at the start of last season, 
I didn't really have high expectations for him. I think in hindsight, he actually ended up having a really, really good season. And I don't really know what Preston's expectations are for this season. I was saying, uh, I think last month, that I struggled to see Preston pulling up many trees next season. I still think that's the case. But if they are going to do anything significant, then they need Jakobsen to get at least 15 plus goals again this season um, at the time of recording we don't know who his striking partner is going to be he had a marvellous partnership with Cameron Archer in the latter half of the season uh, but he's not there anymore Callum Robinson has been linked with a return to mm. Deepdale which would be very tasty indeed um, but whoever he plays up front with Jakobsen has got to have his fair share of goals again and maybe even go even better than he uh, did last season because he, he was the kind of striker who um seemed to score goals in spats, in spits and spats, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, As yeah. opposed to doing it over a consistent amount of time, if you see what I mean. And that's by no mm-hmm. means a criticism because, I mean, 16 goals in, for a mid-table championship side is a brilliant tally. So I think uh, he's got to do it again um, and he's got to also look to his teammates to also help him out more in the goals department. Justin, who have you gone for our next team, which is QPR? I'm very interested to see who you've got here, actually. Sure, uh, your favourite guy, isn't it? Your 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 best friend, your unhealthier session, your hero. Yeah. I've got posters of all over my room. <laughs> yeah, it's it's none other than than Chris Willock. Um, yeah, there's no doubt here. He was QPR's best player last season, most important player last season as well. Um, I don't think we expected him to have the quite the season he had um, in terms of his importance to QPR. And when Elias Chair went to the um, went to Afcon. Chris Willig stepped it up another gear. He was absolutely unreal. And there were some, some some of the goals he scored. I think it was against Forest where he dribbled it around the back line. And um, it may have been an assist or a goal, but yeah, he, he does some beautiful things with the ball. And as I say, 11 assists last season. Statistically, the uh, second best dribbler for players of over 30 appearances. Um, and as I say, miles ahead of Elias Chair in terms of consistency. Yeah, Chris Willick's a real deal and um, yeah, he's, he's going to be pivotal to Michael Beale's system next season. I'm really looking forward to seeing seeing him again because his, his, his season was cruelly cut short last season. May have coincided with QPR's dip, although that dip did start to happen before, but no doubt it would have been a lot easier for QPR last season had Willick been in the side towards the end of the, end of the campaign. Yeah, I don't think I need to add much here, do I? Because I've been spouting on about Chris Willock for a long time. I thought he was one of the best midfielders in the championship last season and he got QPR out of jail so many times. Um, But it is worth remembering, prior to last season, he didn't really pull up many trees with QPR. He had a couple of um, decent spells, but really last season was the one where he really stepped it up a gear. And he'll have to keep keep out those levels while also getting his teammates to help out a bit more. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I've gone for Jake Clark Salter as my key player for QPR next season. Uh, people may raise their eyebrows at that one, but the reason I've gone for that is because QPR under Mark Warburton were very mixed at times defensively, weren't they? Only seven teams conceded more goals in QPR last season, and many will say that was one of the reasons why their season fell apart and they ended up being nowhere near the playoffs where many people were expecting them to be near the playoffs. It was also not helped by the fact that they were so reliant on the likes of Elias Chair and Chris Willock, but defensively they um, were a bit shoddy at times last season. So Jake Clark-Salter's coming into the team and he's going to have to form a really solid partnership with the likes of Rob Dickey, Jimmy Dunn, 
etc um, and make them a really solid unit um, what they're going to do under Michael Beale next season who really knows how Michael Beale is going to play who knows um, so there's a lot of question marks but if QPR can make themselves really solid at the back with that back three with Clark Salter at the core of it then there'll be a team who could surprise a few people next season um, I think Clark Salter as well he's been one of those players who we haven't really praised too often in the yeah. three years that we've been doing this mm-hmm. podcast Justin and he's a young lad now it'll be good to see him make a step up and really um, catch the eyes of many pundits like us so yeah I, I'd like to see him um, be a key player for QPR next season whether he does or not only time will tell this is an interesting one Justin next up is Reading who have you got as a key player for Reading next season why is it interesting because I don't think anyone's particularly excited about them heading into next season, Justin. I'm actually very intrigued by Reading this season. I do think they're putting together a good squad, but again, there's there's no surprises to who I've picked, because much like Chris Willock with you, Lucas Schaal for me is is just a glorious, glorious man to watch play football. He's, he's an exceptional player. And if he stays at Reading... They have a fighting chance. Um, they have a fighting chance of staying in the in the championship next season. He's a number nine. He's, he's, he's my he's my favourite number nine in the championship because he can do everything. His, his first touches, oh god, his first touches are absolutely brilliant. Some of the balls he takes down from you know heighted lofted balls he can take down while bearing down on goal is absolutely brilliant. His finishing is yeah he's, he's as capable as any other striker in the division with his finishing. Is incredibly clinical. The only thing you can hold against him is his injury record. But like we saw in the Pavlovich's season, if you can keep him fit, there's a player there who can fire a team into promotion contention, playoff contention. Um, it's just yeah, it's just about keeping him fit. And as I say, if he stays fit, I think Reading have got a fighting chance of staying in the championship next season. It's about him staying fit, but also staying at the club because, of course, he's been linked with a move away <laughs> to many a club. Um, but I, I, I think it's pretty undeniable, isn't it, that if you manage to keep Lucas Shell fit for the entire season, then Reading will at least have a fighting chance of staying up. I've gone for Tom Holmes as my key player for Reading. As between him and Tom McIntyre, um, both kind of similar players, really, because they're both young lads who have been at Reading for mm-hmm. quite some time and are now finding their way into the first team. But the reason I've gone with Tom Holmes in particular is because he's one player I'd like to see improve on last season because um, only Michael Morrison, I think, played more minutes than any other defender for Reading. And this you've got to keep in mind that Reading and Peterborough both conceded 87 goals last season. Only two teams in championship history have conceded more goals than that in a season. Now, I think it's going to be a long, hard season for Reading. But if they can at least keep it tight at the back, they'll have a fighting chance of staying up as well as, as you were just saying, Justin, having Lucas Yao up top. So players like Tom Holmes, Tom McIntyre and Michael Morrison, Andy Yeardham, They'll all be key to Reading keeping it tight at the back. And if they manage to do that, then um, they can at least have some hope of finishing 21st or above. Um, but they're going to also have to add in certain areas elsewhere in the pitch as well, as we've uh, mentioned many a time. Justin, Rotherham United, who have you gone for? Yeah, Rotherham have a lot of really good players on their books. And Daniel Barlas is one of them. And for me, he's, he can quite easily become a, a very, very capable championship midfielder. Um, a deep line playmaker, if you like. Someone who's got a, an incredible track record with set pieces as well. Being able to um, set his teammates up with his incisive passing again and breaking the lines with his with his passing is something that's going to be really important for Rotherham. 
don't think they've ever really had the forwards to get the best out of Barlas's ability with the ball, if that makes sense. Obviously, when you're feeding balls into the likes of Michael Smith, big guy likes to play with his back to goal. You know, if they've got someone who can run off the ball, um, then I think Bolas's assists record will, will, will go through the roof because he's, you know, he's, he's that sort of player that can do that. Um, and as well as that, he's, yeah, he's just an exceptional player, can get around the pitch really well. It was was really important to Rotherham in Championship a couple of seasons ago. Obviously, they didn't stay up. A lot of circumstances went against him, but Barlasso, again, was an outstanding performer during that season. Was as good last season in League One. And for me, this season it is another player who can step up. Obviously, Ben Wiles has been linked with moves to other clubs in the Championship, but Barlasso is one of those that I'd be very excited if my club were linked with him. I really like Barlasso. He's a player I've rated for quite some time, and I was actually surprised that no Championship clubs came in for him last summer when he was playing League One football. I mean, even when you saw him in League One, he was clearly a step above everyone else there. Mm. So, how he does, I think he will be a key player for Rotherham going forwards this season. Looking towards them at the back, I've gone for Cameron Humphreys, who's a new signing over from Belgium. And the reason I've gone with him is because Rotherham didn't score many goals despite them getting promoted last season. Um, they went up because, well, one of the main reasons why they went up is because they only conceded 33 goals, by far the fewest in League One. And they're going to have to keep it solid at the back again this season. Now, heading into this season, I don't expect them to score many goals again. They've lost their top scorer in Michael Smith and uh, they've also lost their second top scorer in Freddie Ladapo. Now, they've replaced them with Tom Eves and Colin Washington, two strikers who... I haven't convinced at this level in the past and being completely honest, I can't see them either of them scoring double digits this yeah, season, yeah. unfortunately. So I, I don't see them score many goals, but if they manage to keep it tight at the back, then they'll have a, they'll be in with a fighting chance of staying up. And the difficulty with that is they've lost their skipper and best defender in Michael Hickway. So Cameron Humphreys needs to fill the gap that he's left and if he does that or one of the other new signings they've made then Rotherham will have a fighting chance of staying up at the moment it is looking like they will have to bring in a few more players for them um, to have a really really good chance of staying up though final one before we have a break Justin Sheffield United I've gone for Tommy Doyle who is the new signing from Man City on loan now he was absolutely fantastic at Cardiff last season and if you listen back to Sunday's episode I picked him out as a player who I think could end up being one of the signings of the summer. Fans of other clubs may have just completely missed out. Um, and the reason I say that is because I think he's a marvellous passer of the ball and he's only 20 years old. So for someone to have such vision and technical ability at his age, I think he's really, really excited for Sheffield United. And Morgan Gibbs-White was their best player last season. Doyle can go some way to filling the gap that he's made, although he might not be playing in the position of Gibbs-White. That may, they may be looking to someone like Iliman and Dai to fill that role. But either way, Doyle has got to try and um, make up for some of the creativity that they've lost with Gibbs White going out the door. But I'm really, really excited by Doyle. And he was one of the main reasons why Cardiff stayed up last season. And I think um, he's going to be really, really key to Sheffield United heading into this season. And I think they've got a marvellous player on their hands in that. Justin, do you agree? No, I, I do agree. Doyle is a player that I've I've really enjoyed um, over the past six months in terms of yeah his performances for Cardiff and I think I mentioned um, you know quite a while ago when when Doyle was at Cardiff he revitalised that midfield. It wasn't a very mobile midfield with much energy. Doyle comes in um, and as you say 
really good passer, has the ability to score goals. You know, he can do that more often. Certainly will get the license to do it at Sheffield United. So yeah, I, I really do rate the signing, as you say. One of those ones that can go under the radar from, from, from other supporters. Absolutely. Who have you gone for as their key player? Yeah, a bit of a spoiler alert, but you've already mentioned him, Miniman and Dai. Um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you will be. Um, yeah, he's, a, he's a good player, isn't he? And uh, as you've mentioned, Morgan Gibbs-White won't be coming back to Bramwell Lane. Um, and he's, there's got to be big shoes to be filled. Illiman Dye can go a long way to filling those. And obviously Doyle's going to you know, fill that gap as well. But Illiman and Dye will play in a similar position where he's going to play off the striker. Not as creatively, as proficient as Gibbs-White, but certainly can add a, you know, a massive spark in that final third. Especially, say, let's say, Billy Sharp's leading the line you're going to need energy and legs around him Edelman Dye is going to you know, give that give that option to, to Billy Sharp and make plenty of runs, runs off the ball as well I think he stepped up massively towards the end of last season when Sheffield needed him of course he didn't score prolifically but he was a massive facet uh, into why Sheffield United managed to get into the playoffs because obviously they, they had no strikers, they had no fit strikers and Dye had to step up and he did. So imagine if they've got a fully fit squad and Dye is getting into it. Um, he's he's going to get goals, he's going to get assists um, and if you look at that Fulham game last season is a big example of the confidence he's got as an individual. That run from deep in his own half to against the, the table toppers at the time was absolutely magnificent. It's a, just a nice showcase of his quality yeah he's a, he's a big player next season for, for Sheffield United I think do you think there isn't another player in the championship who has got more expectation to step up than Ndai because I've struggled to think of many others yeah it's interesting isn't it I think I think you know Cardiff fans will be looking at Ruben Colwell for example wanting to needing to step up um obviously because they they lack that creative spark as well. Um, and obviously Sheffield United fans will be looking at Illiman and Dai. I've had a lot of conversations with Sheffield United fans recently about sort of youngsters coming through and Illiman and Dai was one of those that was one of the names that kept popping up in terms of breakout stars for the season. Um, so I think there is expectation on him. But as I say, I think he's got confidence as a player. And we've always mentioned that if you've got a little bit of an ego as a youngster, it does go a long way to being you know, a very good attribute for you we've mentioned the likes of Michael Elise having that you know that ability to to get around and that almost that ego that follows him it allows players like that to really thrive at a senior level because they need to interesting Justin let's have a quick break after that we'll talk about the final quarter of our key players in the championship for each team and they are from Stoke to Wigan to the second tier podcast. We go through the key players for each championship side and we're now doing Stoke to Wigan. So we may as well start with Stoke. Justin, who have you gone for as a key player for the Potters next season? I've gone with none other than Nick Powell and I think it's fairly obvious. I, I feel going forwards, they're a poorer side without him. Um, last season, though, Suter got injured, but going forwards, goals did start to dry up, um, especially in that sort of middle third of the season when Nick Powell picked up an injury um, and yeah it's, 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 it's an easy one for me because as I say they're not as good when he's not in the team especially going forwards the team thrives off his ability to to roam around the pitch and be a, either a second striker or, or a number 10 or attacking midfielder he doesn't have a traditional role in the final third which is what's always intrigued me about him um, but he's got ability to change games and Stoke needed that a lot last season I think they'll need it a lot this season it's just whether he can stay fit again. There's always the question and the 
the issue with Nick Powell is whether he can stay fit. I think he has picked up another injury in pre-season, actually. So again, we'll see what Stoke can, how Stoke can manage without him again coming into the season. It's an issue with quite a few Stoke players, isn't it? And that brings me very nicely on to Harry Souter. Um, I picked Harry Souter, which is interesting because he's also set to miss the first couple of months through injury at the very least after having that horrible ACL injury that basically made him miss the whole of last season. But in the few months that he did play at the start of the season, for me, he was the best defender in the division. And if we could just pick a player based on a few months in the championship, I probably would have put him in my team of the season. But unfortunately, we would look very silly if we did that. But yeah, Harry Suter is a phenomenal defender. He's probably my favourite defender in the division just because um, of his physical presence. But the fact that he's also playing capable of playing those quarterback passes. Um, and should he get back fit then Stoke will be feeling quite optimistic about how they'll do next season. I think this is probably the least optimistic anyone's felt about Stoke heading into a new season. But if you manage to get Harry Suter back fit, if they manage to keep Nick Powell fit throughout the, re- throughout the course of the season, they manage to get Tyrese Campbell back in with full confidence and full fitness, then they could probably surprise a few people. But it's a big if, isn't it? Because um, those factors have played into a the past couple of seasons now but Harry Suter without a doubt is a marvellous defender um, and I'm looking forward to seeing him back on the football pitch Sutherland Justin one of the new boys in the championship who have you gone for as a key player for them? Uh, again it's an easy one with, with Sunderland because of Ross Stewart's goal record last season was was absolutely outstanding um, 26 goals he did have a bit of a drought as well in, in, in the final couple of months of the season before really kicking it up a gear in the playoffs um, but he's a good all round number 9 and he's still only 25 which I think goes a bit unnoticed I think because of um, the way he plays he plays like a ex- very experienced forward um, he's a very good finisher and he's a very good number nine in the box and again he's one of those that can make a lot of runs off the off the ball that will allow the likes of Alex Pritchard Patrick Roberts even Jack Clark and you know, Leon Tajaki there are a lot of good creative players in that Sunderland team who can um, who can thread balls into him and again he can mix it up he scored quite a few headers from set pieces as well yeah, he's a really good all-round number nine and I'm intrigued to see how he can step up. But for me, Sunderland are going to need his goals to have a, a season where they're not worrying, I think I should put it. Yeah, I haven't seen him a few times in the Sunderland shirt last season. He certainly looks like the kind of striker who I think will be capable of stepping up. So I completely agree with that one. Patrick Roberts is the one I've gone for Sunderland. Um, he's had a funny career as old Patrick Roberts, having gone to Man City at a young age and basically spending most of his career on loan. In some of the loan spells, he's been brilliant. In some of the loan spells, he's been non-existent. In some of the loan spells, he's been all right. Um, And Sunderland will need him to be excellent again because he's a really exciting player. As far as dribblers go at this level, I I think he's right up there. And we have got to remember, he is still only 25, which means time is on his side to still give himself a really, really good career because he had plenty of promise as a youngster. Um, and whether he lives up to the potential that many um, had expected of him when he was younger, who knows? Um, but now's the time to do it, isn't it? With Sunderland stepping up, and in the handful of times that I did see Sunderland in League One last season, he looked really, really dangerous. Um, and I think he'll have to be really, really dangerous again for them this season because he's a really exciting player. Um, one I'm looking forward to and seeing how he does in the Championship, Justin. Hopefully he gets a full run of games under his belt as well. Swansea City, a team we have been feeling quite excited about heading into this season. Justin, who have you gone for as a key player for them? 
yeah, there's a lot of a lot of interesting players to pick from with, with Swansea, but I've gone with Joel Pirro. Um and I think his ability to finish is just absolutely incredible. So many one touch finishes last season. It was absolutely mad. I remember Nik uh, Nikita uh, Yelovich's uh, transfer from Rangers when he went to Everton. I think it was something like his first thirteen goals were done within one or two touches. And Joel Pirro had that same uh, effort about him last season. It was absolutely what a, what a brilliant to watch. Completely random stat that <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is, but it, it you know it just goes to show that. You know, players that are clinical at this level can go a very, very long way. And as I say, Joel Pirro, I, I, you know, stand by what I said about him being a poacher because that was sort of the role he filled in the first couple of thirds of the season last season before Abafebi came into the team, and he played as a second striker after that, and he got better. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a player who can find space in the box. The ball lands to him. It's like a magnet. It's really, really strange. But twenty-two goals. If you think on average as well, top scorer of the championship usually around 25, 26 goals. And Joel Pirro in his first season at 21 scores 22. In a team that was very inconsistent, that's incredible. That's a very, very good season. And it's no surprise to see Swansea slap a £20 million price tag on him. Yeah, you make a very valid point. 22 goals in a normal season may very well win your top scorer in your normal season. But unfortunately, a certain Serbian managed to steal all the uh, highlights for last season, didn't he? Um, I've gone for Michael Obafemi as a key player for Swansea next season. Now, um, Joel Pirro will have to score another impressive tally of goals. Whether he does that or not, I don't think you can say for sure. Um, But Obafemi is, if that isn't the case, then Obafemi has got to certainly make the step up. He got 12 goals last season, which I think is actually quite an impressive tally considering Mm -hmm. he didn't really play much in the first half of the season. Then he came into the side in the second half of the season and really, really impressed me in stages. And I think he could be a shout for top scorer next season. I was having a look at the bookies' odds, and unfortunately he's quite short, but I thought he might be a long shot for top scorer next season. And Because if Swansea are a potential dark horse for next season, every single player there is going to have to make the step up. And I think Obafemi is one player in particular who will have to make that step up. But if you get two strikers in there who score double-figure goals then you won't be too far off the playoffs anyway. If you get two strikers who score 15-plus each, then you'll certainly not be far away at all. So Oberfemi um, is going to have to be really important for them next season. But I really, really liked him in the spells that I saw of him last season. And uh, I think Swansea fans will be excited to see how he does next season as well. Watford, Justin, who have you gone for for the Hornets now that they're back in the Championship? They're an interesting one, Watford, because I still think Rob Edwards has got a fair bit to do with the squad in terms of additions, but I've gone with um, Hassan Kamara. He obviously joined last January and won Watford fans over very, very quickly. Um, probably wasn't hard because I think Watford fans will agree with me you're saying a lot of players were very, very below par last season and that's putting it very politely. But Kamara came in putting a lot of high energy, you know, passionate displays, you could say. Um, and wing-backs, for me, wing-backs are going to be really important to, to Rob, how Robert Rob Edwards deploys his teams. It's very obvious. You look at Kane Wilson and Nicky Cadden for Forest Green Rovers in League Two. The amount of goal contributions they got between them just highlights the importance Rob Edwards puts on wing-backs in his system. Now, obviously, they they signed um, uh, Vicom Bayo as well, who scores a lot ahead of goals. So for me, supply in the wide areas is going to be really important. And that's why Hassan Kamara is going to be absolutely vital, vital to how Watford play. Obviously, right wing-back could be Firmenia, could be Ngakia. But Hassan Kamara's got to be a nailed-on starter next season for Watford at left wing back. He's he had a very good 
short spell. Got a good pedigree as well. He's played European football. Um, and yeah, coming into the Championship, I think he's going to have a very, very good season. Tidy stuff. I've gone for João Pedro, a player who we both like, isn't he, Justin? Um, I think um, when he was in the Championship, he did really, really well in helping Watford get promoted. And then making the step up to the Premier League last season, it was probably a step up too soon for him I think it was always going to be a big ask for a 20 year old to pull up many trees and um, unfortunately it just wasn't the case but now that he's made the step down again I think João Pedro could really make this season his own um, because it is worth remembering he is only 20 years <laughs> old he will be 21 in a, in a couple of months I think but Still, he is so young, and it's easy to remember, easy to forget, sorry, how young he was last time he was in the championship and was still really good then. Um, but he's a really, really exciting player. He's really tricky with the ball at his feet, and has uh, shown that he has got the goal scoring touch as well. It, it could be better, but he's certainly shown that he's got um, the clinical instinct that you need for a striker. And the best thing about him is he can play up top with any type of striker. Heading into next season, I think some Watford fans are expecting them to sign another striker, but luckily they've got a striker like Pedro who can play up top with any sort of striker alongside him. So whether it is um, Bayo heading into next season or whether it's someone else, um, João Pedro can certainly complement that striker as well as chipping him with the goals himself. Um, and he could be a really, really, really good player for Watford next season. Um, let's go to West Brom, Justin. Who have you got for the baggies? Actually, you know what? I'll go first because I think <laughs> I'll just hit the obvious one back first. I've gone for Dabble DK as a West Brom's key player for next season. I think it's a pretty obvious one because anyone who listened to the podcast last, last season knows why he's a key player for them this coming season. West Brom were absolutely hopeless in front of goal last season. They needed someone else to chip in with the goals because Carlin Grant, bless his heart, did as well as he could in terms of scoring goals. Um, but he needed someone else and no one else stepped up for him. They had John and Hugill. Um, they had Callum Robinson, amongst many others who were playing up top. And then they brought in Davo DK to try and answer that problem. But he lasted... He, he was basically blinking, you miss it, because he played a few minutes and then he got injured for the rest of the season. But now that he's been back, he's back, he's been playing pre-season games for West Brom. Um, they'll be pinning a lot of hopes on him having a good season. Of course, they will need the likes of Carl and Grant to score goals. They'll need Jed Wallace to score goals. They'll need John Swift to chip in um, with as many as he can next season as well. But DK has got to take the fair brunt of the um, goal-scoring uh, priorities for them next season. So he's going to have a really good season. We saw when he played for Barnsley, he was really clinical for them. He's got to be clinical again for West Brom next season if they are um, going to be the promotion contenders that many people are expecting for next season. Who have you gone for as a key player for the Baggies, Justin? I'll just add before I do, a bit of a controversial opinion. I'm not entirely convinced by Daryl DK yet. So that it'll okay. be interesting. So clearly not picked Why, why not? Um... I think it's it's down to his spell with Barnsley was incredible. He was incredibly clinical, but he faded towards the end of that spell and didn't really have much of an impact. I thought Swansea and Steve Cooper did a number on him in the playoffs. He was very quiet. Um, can't really say much about his spell back with Orlando and obviously West Brom played a lot of money for him. And again, data pool's very small because he didn't play many games. So it's just, for me, it's an approach of caution sort of thing. I don't want to pin my hopes on Daryl DK just yet because I think there's a lot of players in West Brom squad that have got more ability to carry the team than Daryl DK has. One of those players is Jed Wallace. 
good. That's, that's, that's beautifully what, what done What a transition. There. What a transition. What a, what a professional this guy is. <laughs> I've only been doing it three years, and that's the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> and I've ruined it. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, Jed actually, Wallace. Just before you get on to Jed Wallace, the, the only thing I would say about that is the problem is with DK, they haven't really got anyone else to play up front. Of course, yeah. they've got Carl and Grant, but I'm guessing he'll be playing left wing for them next <laughs> season. The only other recognised striker they've got is Kenneth Zahor. So they better bloody hope that Daryl DK hits the ground running because uh, Zahor's not really done it for quite some time, has he? Anyway, carry on. Yeah, no, it's, it's a really good point to make. Um, and it just goes to show that West Brom still got to make a couple of moves um, in, in the transfer window. But Jed Wallace, for me, is you, you mentioned you know, West Brom being hope, hopeless in front of goal last season. Jed Wallace played in a Millwall team that didn't create many chances during his time at the club and he still hit double figure goals and assists at times and was still creatively clinical goal scoring uh, was a you know, really important um skill set to, to his to his game as well um so for me Jed Wallace I think is a difference between or can be the difference between West Brom finishing in the playoffs or outside the playoffs and in the playoffs or even out um in the playoffs or or as an automatic uh, promotion um, team just because again he's got that ability to change games at the f- flick of a switch um, whether that be through a set piece or just through an individual brilliance he's got that ability to do it same with John Swift but for me Jed Wallace I think is a more reliable performer at this level could easily be championship player of the season next season for me yeah I don't think there's any doubt that Jed Wallace is going to be an important player for West Brom next season whether he makes the transition over after playing so well for Millwall for a number of years is going to be very interesting but there's a lot of hopes pinned on him and quite a few other players at West Brom for that matter Justin who have you gone for as a key player for Wigan Athletic our last team in this list I've gone with Callum Lang um, and his career path is really interesting obviously was at Wigan then he went to then he went to Motherwell on loan in the season that Wigan were fighting relegation and, and in administration and then he came back in, in, in that January and, and helped them stay up with some really important goals and assists and was equally as equally as important last season under Richardson in their title-winning campaign. And again, scored 15 goals and, and created uh, created seven. And I think the plaudits were stolen a little bit by Will Keane and his his goal record. But Callum Lang was as equally important to that team as as Will Keane for me. Um, and as I say, 19-23 in a in a team that were full of youngsters fighting for their lives um, the season prior to that is absolutely incredible. And I think he's 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 in a position where he's gone from strength to strength to strength so far at Wigan and I think he's going to be another player who's going to step up and, and have a really really good season for, for the Latics and we're going to have this ability to create some court heroes they've done it almost every season they've been in the championship and I think Callum Lang's going to be one of those that we watch with a very close eye this season because I think he's got that ability to again be a difference maker for, for Wigan next season Another player who I think is going to be one who a lot of people keep a close eye on is going to be Will Keane Justin the reason I've gone for him is quite simple really he got 26 goals in 44 appearances in League One last season. A phenomenal tally and by all means looked way too good to be playing in League One. But in his championship career up to this point, he's got eight goals in 75 games, which is pretty appalling. He hadn't pulled up any trees in his career at all before moving to Wigan. And every time I saw him playing in the championship, he looked a bit out of his depth, quite frankly. So whether he makes the step up now is going to be really, really interesting. Hopefully he will. And I think he will, um, considering he did look so good in League One last season. I think it may be just a case of him just needing a settled home. Um, And now that he's got it at Wigan, where um, a lot of the supply line is aimed 
directly at him. Um, he's going to be really, really important. So, yeah, how how he does at championship level, I think a lot of Wigan's hopes for next season will depend on how he um, takes to playing in the championship. Um, but based on how he did last season, even the season before that, for that matter, um, he looks like he's a different player to the one who we last saw in the championship, but only time will tell on that point. And there we go, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the second tier. We've picked a key player for every single championship side. Not long now until we find out for sure who's going to be the key players for each championship team as the season draws ever closer. Uh, but as always, thank you for your continued support. As always, it's um, we, we've carried on plugging away while the football season has come to an end and uh, try to provide you with content as I said not too long ago I'm going through my podcast feed at the moment and I'm desperately trying to find anything to listen to football related and not being very successful and so we like to think that we're giving you some 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 form of content over the dark dark months during uh, the summer period <laughs> uh, but this has been the second tier podcast we'll be back again on Sunday to bring you one last news roundup ladies and gentlemen before we give you our championship predictions and our league table predictions it's that time of year it's my favorite episode of the year and um, it's going to be bloody interesting so this this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Sunday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. And as always, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.